Good morning. Welcome to this time of teaching. I'm excited about our series, Beyond the Faint Heart. So quickly, let me ask you a real question. Do you at times feel discouraged, perhaps even defeated? And although that sounds like an unnecessary question, I ask it specifically so that you and I today can, can come to a common ground. And that common ground exists where we all feel at times great hands of discouragement pushing against us. Sometimes uh, these hands of discouragement come from within our own personal lives and relationships. Other times, discouragement presses in uh, from the outside, from circumstances, whether they be global events or, or events just beyond the door of our own home. But regardless of what the hand of discouragement looks like to you and to me, we all meet on the common ground of having to face moments in life that are distressing and discouraging. Now, if you're tuning in this morning to this online service with the hopes of hearing something positive and encouraging, and you've already heard about discouragement, don't turn away because in the, in the center of this conversation about uh, real life discouragement, comes a significant truth, one so deep and so moving and thrilling that I'm not sure that I can adequately express to you in human terms God's answer to your discouragement. But His answer is clear. It is centered on Jesus Christ. And particularly, God's answer to your discouragement is a life and death issue. Now, I know that might seem dramatic to you. You may be thinking, Pastor Ken, you're a little bit too dramatic. My discouragements don't seem that big. They don't seem like a life and death issue. Well, let me explain. From the scriptures, we are told that one significant way to move beyond discouragement is to identify with the death and the life of Jesus. And believe it or not, right where you are, you can identify with Jesus with your heart by faith, understanding his death and his life. And as you understand his death and his life in that order, you will have what is necessary to move beyond discouragement. And I want to prove that to you today, not with my own words, but with God's words. So welcome to our teaching series, Moving Beyond the Faint Heart. And we come to part six of our series, Live in Christ. The most significant way to truly live in Christ is to respond by faith, both to the death of Christ, meaning the cross, and then to the life of Christ, meaning how his death brings spiritual life, true life, to you and to me. Now, I quote uh, a, a president of a seminary, uh, President Emeritus Cornelius Plantinga, uh, Emeritus of Calvin Theological Seminary, made this quote. And I want to share this with you to get us moving in the right direction concerning our call to live in Christ so that we might overcome those discouragements that are pressing in around us. Here is his quote. We do not want suffering, we want success. We identify not with those who are low and hurt, but with those who are high and healthy. We don't like lepers or losers very well. We prefer climbers and comers. For Christians, 
The temptation to be conformed to this world is desperately sweet and strong. Yet, says the Apostle Paul, we are children of God if we suffer with Christ. God does not give his hardest assignments to his weakest children, end quote. Now, the reason I share this quote with you is because of the emphasis upon what we like to think about and then the contrast reality. What we like to think about is that there are no lepers or losers. What we like to think about is that life goes so well for all of us that we could all be called climbers and and up and comers. But the reality is that life remains very difficult and challenging for all of us. There exists no exception to the fact that life is hard. In fact, that one simple statement may be the quintessential understatement. Life is challenging and filled with complexities and and disappointments that can cause moments of discouragement that sadly for many can last a lifetime. And so today, if you are looking for hope beyond your difficulties or your discouragements, then listen carefully to one who is given a hard assignment, yet professed, we do not lose heart. The person I reference is that New Testament figure in the early church, the Apostle Paul. And oh yes, he seemed to have received many difficult assignments in his walk of faith. But but he never seemed to grow ultimately weary. Did he feel weak at times? Yes. Did he find himself under excruciating attacks from opponents all around him? Yes. But his battle cry, exemplified in 2 Corinthians 4, states, we do not lose heart. So all throughout this grand chapter, we've discovered ways that we cannot grow faint-hearted, but move beyond our discouragement. Now, focus with me on a particular part of 2 Corinthians 4, verse 10 through 12. And I'd like to share the, the focus, the text, if you will, for this part of our teaching series. Part 6 of Moving Beyond Discouragement calls us to live in Christ. Paul understood this. And although he had hard assignments... <laughs> He moved well beyond discouragement, and you and I can do the same as we follow God's word, as we follow the heart of Christ in these truths. Uh, Let's read together 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 10 through 12. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus. Now, Paul speaks in the apostolic plural, we, we always carry around, but he emphasizes the truth That is just as real for you and for me, even as it was for the first century church leaders that we have called apostles. Paul said we always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may be revealed in our body, in our physical life, in our present existence. Herein then becomes the issue of life and death. We carry around the death of Jesus in our body so that the life of Jesus may be revealed in our body. Let's continue reading. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that his life 
may also be revealed in our mortal bodies. Right here from the scripture, we now read the closing, verse 12, and we read this with great emphasis, even as the original text describes. So then, death is at work in us, strong emphasis in the original language, but just as strong is the concluding statement. But life is at work in you. Do you see a pattern? What I like to call the pattern of the narrative, or the pattern of the story here in these Three short verses. Well, this does not actually represent a story, but this does point to the narrative of Paul's life, wherein he faced many opponents, many hardships. You could turn to many passages in First and Second Corinthians alone to depict how Paul faced significant hardship. There were many reasons why Paul could have isolated into discouragement and weariness, but he rose above said discouragements because of the truth that becomes alive in these words. Paul knew that life was filled with sufferings, almost as if you were carrying around in our body the dying of Christ or the sacrifice that Jesus made for us. That that sacrifice and, and those challenges can almost feel like a real part of who we are. But in that, we're also filled with the life of Jesus. So what an amazing passage to encourage us on this day. Now, I'd like to focus with you on verse 10 as we work through these three verses. So let's just move to verse 10. And I would like to share with you the first of three observations. These are very simple observations. I hope you'll, you'll pin these down. These observations will, will answer the question, what, how, and why? And so to begin with, we're going to answer the question, what? The what of living in Christ as defined by verse 10. And then the next two questions, the how and the why, will be defined by the subsequent verses. But we'll begin at verse 10, uh, the verse we've just read. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may be revealed in our bodies. This answers the first question or our first of three observations, the what of living in Christ. In fact, this verse will explain all three verses that we've read. So this becomes the explanation of the text or of the verse. So focus with me for just a moment on the what. Paul said we always carry around in our body the death of Jesus. This becomes a grand summary of the verse that exists before. Actually, verses 8 and 9 are summarized here in verse 10. As you recall, Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4, 8 and 9, uh, we are pressured in every way, but not crushed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. We're persecuted, but not abandoned. We're struck down, but not destroyed. The summary of those antithetical statements, we're this, but we're not this, rest in this one phrase, we always carry around in our body the, the death of Jesus. Now, while that sounds extremely negative and limited, if you're looking at the life of Christ, you can better understand this by simply remembering something Paul said in Philippians chapter 3, verse 10. In Philippians 3, verse 10, another letter that Paul wrote to a church, to Christians like you and me who understood difficulties, but obviously they understood 
challenges and difficulties at a much at a much more severe level than than either you or I could understand. But but Paul, nonetheless, writing into a similar context, once said in Philippians chapter three, "I desire to know Christ and to have such a knowledge of Him that I have a fellowship." Of his sufferings. Why would Paul desire something that sounds so negative? A fellowship of his sufferings. Paul commented that I desire to know Jesus so well in my faith relationship, in my spirit, in in my whole being, that I can identify with why he suffered. He suffered for our benefit. And Paul writes, I desire that my life be so identified with his that I am suffering for the same reason. In fact, Paul said, we carry around in our body the death of Jesus. So I'd like to give with you uh, the, the answer to the what by looking at part A. Each of these verses have a part A and a part B. What is the what of living in Christ? Let's answer that with part A. We carry around in our body the death of Jesus, meaning we should not be surprised at our sufferings. We will indeed have difficulties and sufferings. Jesus once said, as they persecute me, so they will persecute you. May I identify the what from part A of this verse by, by focusing on the practice and then the purpose of Paul's life. Again, we're looking at the meaning, the explanation of what we find here. So part A, we carry around in our body the death of Jesus. Paul emphasizes here First, his practice. Paul suffered in bringing the truth of Christ to others, even as our Lord suffered. Paul even said in Galatians six seventeen, I bear on my body the marks of the sufferings of Christ. Galatians represents one of those passages in chapter 6, verse 17, that, that allowed us to know Paul was aware of his opponents, his, his critics, much as this passage in 2 Corinthians is partly in response to what has been known as the Corinthian opponents. But Paul had opponents wherever he ministered, and there were many who doubted Paul's validity. And in Galatians 6, 17, it's as if Paul is saying, I bear in my body the marks of the sufferings of Christ. That's all the validation one should need in my commitment to follow Jesus and to preach the truth. And so Paul felt that his own life was branded by sufferings which identified him even more with his Savior. So in Paul's practice of preaching the gospel, he he saw evidence that sacrifice and suffering was normal. That's what is meant when Paul said, I carry around in my body the death of Jesus. This idea represents uh, the, the, the total suffering and Christ that Jesus paid on the cross. That entire emphasis, Paul would say, I carry that around in my body by my own sufferings as I practice the preaching of the gospel, as I live out my life as a voice for the gospel. Interestingly enough, the idea of, of dying or death here actually comes from a word that actually means corpse, like, like a real death. Paul is not saying I carry around simply the doctrinal emphasis of the death of Jesus. We, we all should, should have that as a part of our life. If we know Jesus, we should be able to explain to others the importance of why Jesus died on the cross. But Paul did not mean this simply as a doctrinal 
mooring of his identity. Paul saw this as legitimately a way that he would identify with Christ and that even his own life would be filled with sufferings as he practiced the call to be obedient to Jesus. But second to his practice, Paul also focused on his purpose and his purpose was to lead others to a saving knowledge of Christ. And therefore, Paul could say, in my practice and in my purpose, I will encounter sufferings, but I should not be surprised, for that is my identity. I truly am in fellowship with Christ at that level. I know Christ Jesus, my Lord, to the point that there will be sufferings. So while that sounds negative, there is a part B to the verse coming. So, so hold on. Paul said once in 1 Corinthians 15, 31, I die every day. Translated, I face death every day. Now you and I do not feel that amount of pressure. But you know, as we are desiring to follow after the heart of Christ in all things, there should be a cost. In fact, a mentor of mine once said, Ken, what is it costing you right now to be obedient to Jesus? And at that point in my life, I really did not have an answer. Because I was more interested in convenience and comfort and my own way than I was truly following Jesus. Paul reminds us here, the wad of living in Christ represents verse first that there'll be suffering, there'll be sacrifices. But that is part of what takes us past our discouragement. Now let's look at part B of answering the what. Part B, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. Paul's identity was with Jesus in suffering, but Paul's identity was with Jesus in his life as well. Because Paul said, the life of Jesus is manifested in me even when I encounter sufferings. This becomes an amazing demonstration of how living in Christ and being identified with Christ at this level takes us past our discouragements. Paul argued that by always underscoring the sufferings in our bodies with the opportunity for Jesus to be manifested, that is the ultimate way to move beyond discouragement. My discouragements themselves will manifest Jesus in me as I encounter those sufferings and trials for his sake. When we say, yes, Jesus, I'm following you regardless of the cost. And then through the Holy Spirit manifested in us, all the life of Christ can be seen so significantly. Now, when Paul said that the life of Jesus would be revealed in our body, I believe he meant that temporally as well as eternally. Temporally, as we follow after Christ and as the Holy Spirit who has residence in us because we are following Jesus, that power becomes manifested even in our weaknesses. It was, again, Paul who said in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 10, uh, I, I delight in my weaknesses. I delight in insults. I delight in sufferings and persecutions because when I'm weak, when I'm weak, part A, carrying around the sufferings of Christ, then I'm strong that the life of Jesus may be revealed. So the what of living in Christ represents that we identify with Jesus as we encounter sufferings and opportunities to be discouraged. But the what of living in Christ also becomes defined by our identity with Jesus through his life in us. His life becomes manifested through the presence of the Holy Spirit as we depend upon the strength of Jesus to 
lead us through our difficulties. What an amazing truth we have here. I'm excited about the what of living in Christ. Paul said in Philippians chapter 1 verse 20, I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. Temporally, in this life, even if it means death, I desire Jesus to be glorified. Eternally, when I stand with him, I will ultimately be in that glorified state and all things will have come to their perfection as I kneel before Christ, my Redeemer, as he has made my faith journey perfect and complete. So temporally and eternally, there remains great hope here that we identify with Jesus in our sufferings temporally and we identify with Jesus through our life, both temporally now and eternally when we're with him in heaven. And Paul said, whether by life or by death, Christ will be exalted in my body. How can you and I move past discouragement with the what of living in Christ? Even our sufferings allow Jesus to be seen in us if we truly maintain our faith perspective on Jesus. So not even your discouragements should should count for a lot in your life. In fact, they should count for nothing. Because that discouragement presses against you. And as your faith stands anchored in Jesus, Christ himself becomes manifested. And what an amazing truth. So thus far, verse 10 has helped us to answer the what of Christian living, of living in Christ. This becomes the explanation of the text. But I want to take you to verse 11 now. And we're going to answer the how. Listen to 2 Corinthians 4.11 as we now deal with how we truly apply this to our lives. Again, you'll hear a very similar statement that you just heard in verse 10. But now this statement, this truth, becomes organically applied to every follower of Jesus personally. Paul continued in verse 11, For we who are alive, and that translates to his hearers at the moment. Paul moved beyond the apostolic we of verse 10 to now include all Christians, timelessly, even meaning you and me at this moment. For we who are alive are always being given over to death, There's part A, but part B becomes the great encouragement so that his life may be revealed in our mortal bodies. So quickly, let's look at part A of the verse, which demonstrates, again, our certainty in in suffering. Now, again, you may say, well, pastor, you're not encouraging us with this. Well, Well, hold on, because just as it was with Paul that his sufferings carrying around the dying of Christ represented the life of Christ, so our sufferings that are going to be certain will also have the same effect. So Paul wrote, we who are constantly being delivered over to death for Jesus' sake. He uses now the plural to identify all followers of Jesus. So we all understand the certainty of of suffering. Paul writes, that will come to you, that will come to me. Paul said that over and over again. We're expected to meet those said sufferings uh, in our lives. So when we face oppositions and discouragement, do we bemoan, complain, fret, panic, fear, or lash out? These are prompted human reactions. 
Do you react to your circumstance? Or do you respond to your true identity as being in Christ? Knowing full well that your identity is with his sufferings and his life. Do we respond to our identity in Christ? Or do we react with with complaints, fear, franticness, and lashing out? The application, the how of living in Christ, rests in the fact that we're, we're always being given over to death for Jesus' sake. Again, Paul is reminiscing something that was said in 1 Corinthians 15, 31. I face death constantly. Although you and I may not have that experience in the realm of martyrdom, we certainly understand that we face challenges every day, relationally, physically. Uh, we face challenges every single day. And so the application, the how of living in Christ is to recognize our sufferings are there to accompany an even greater truth, part B, so that his life may be revealed in our mortal bodies. So although there is certainty in suffering, there is also certainty of the life of Christ being manifested in us. So again, the message of verse 11 is almost identical to verse 10, but has the personal application as the emphasis of the language. Our certainty is suffering, but our certainty is also that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our mortal bodies. I want to show you something here before we move on. The idea of living, the idea of life, or living doesn't simply mean the opposite of dead here in this context or in this usage. This would then become a class of distinction like we would find in other verses Paul wrote, 1 Thessalonians 4.17. We who are alive will be called up to meet with the Lord. That idea of living or alive contradicts the state of death. So uh, one way of understanding the word life would be that which is opposite of death, a, a totally different case. But that's not what we find here in the context, in the usage. What we find here in the meaning is rather not just the opposite of death, but the idea of life represents, follow me, a peculiarity of the condition of someone who is fully alive in Jesus. Although outwardly there is decay and dying, in us there is a life, not just the opposite of death, but a peculiarity that simultaneously, while there are some negative things happening in our lives, life never ceases. The fullness of Christ is not thwarted, is not denigrated at all. Jesus Christ is as much powerfully existing in your relationship that he has with you when you're suffering as it is when you feel like you're on a mountaintop. In fact, if you're like me, the mountaintops seem fewer and fewer and the valleys deeper. But nonetheless, nothing of the steep slopes of your emotional valleys or your, your life challenges will ever diminish at all the life, the spiritual life, the zoe, the abundant life, Jesus purchased for you on the cross. You can be certainty of the life of Christ in your mortal bodies so that even though you are having sufferings that can discourage you, nothing changes the life factor, the eternal life, the abundant life. Nothing shifts in your identity of belonging to Jesus. 
Now, this is where many seemingly, if I might borrow the phrase, jump ship. Life's difficult. I must take things into my own hands. And we totally forget that the life of Christ is already at work in us in the face of our discouragements if we will but trust that life. But many times, even as our Western culture teaches, we must take charge. We must fix our dilemma. We must use our wisdom. We must take over and make things a little better than they are. And I can just hear the voice of the Holy Spirit crying out through the words of the Apostle Paul. Don't try to usurp the life of Christ with your own life because your own life is already identified by the sufferings as your own physical abilities and and wisdom become suppressed by what's going on around you lean upon the life of christ that for you who know jesus already demonstrates that reality he's in you his life is working in you trust that do not trust um, the power and strength of your own mortal body i love this statement that the life of jesus is manifested in us so so the how of living in christ becomes our resolve that yes, suffering is certain, but the life of Christ is more certain and I will cling to his life in me regardless of what I'm facing. Another way of stating this comment, this truth from Paul would be that regardless of how real my circumstance seems, I will never let go of depending completely upon Jesus and his presence and his truth and his work. In my life. So when a discouragement says you should feel a certain way, you should say certain things, you should you should commit certain acts, don't listen to the discouragement. Listen to Jesus who's already at work in you. Trust his hand, trust his truth, trust his word, trust his spirit. Follow that and follow others who are following that truth and lean not on your own understanding, on your own discouragement. So, wow, what have we done so far? We've answered two simple questions. We've answered the what. What is Paul saying? Verse 10. We've answered the how. How do we apply this? Verse 11. And now we close with verse 12. Let's look at verse 12. This is the grand summary. So then, death is at work in us. I love this. But life in you. I love this. This becomes incredibly powerful. Paul wrote in a summary statement, death is at work in us. This has already been stated. We've been struck down. We've we've been pressed down, perplexed, persecuted. All of this points to to the metaphoric reference, maybe even for some in the world, a literal reference to what can happen in this life. Paul wrote, death is at work in us. We're, We're in those sufferings. We're in those challenges. But That never remains the issue for the follower of Jesus. This is so reassuring because God is doing something greater in you. And Paul wrote, but life is in you. The ultimate issue stands first defined by a missional attitude. Do you hear the missional attitude? Paul wrote death in us, but life for you. The persecution Paul endured was for the benefit of the Corinthians. Many of those whom were Paul's opponents. But Paul wrote, my sufferings are actually for your benefit. God is completing a purpose through which you will be encouraged. Paul's ministry, I love this, mediated God's blessings to the church. 
Paul would preach and teach and Paul would minister and the church would become encouraged and edified to stay the course in their own lives so that they could continue to take the gospel throughout Corinth and the world. And even though Paul would suffer and sacrifice, his ministry brought life. Now imagine that person who's been watching you. They see your struggles. They know you're disappointed and discouraged. When you lash out in the flesh, who do they see? You. When you follow Jesus and have a missional attitude, hey, God's going to use this to bring him glory and to encourage others. If that is your trick of thinking, then who do others see? They see Jesus Christ. Your choice. Your choice. React in the flesh or respond in the spirit of Christ. They'll see you and all the brokenness or they will see Jesus. Your choice. Paul wrote, this was his choice. Death is at work. We're having a tough time, but life is meant for you. How could he say that? Because the ultimate issue for Paul was a missional attitude, not meaning simply an act or a journey of missions, but the fact that otherness was involved. God receiving the glory and others being encouraged. Have you ever thought that Paul uh, emphasized for you and for me the idea that our, our sufferings will indeed bring glory to God and encouragement to others as they see that we are holding true to our faith in Christ. Now, I love how Paul wrote in Colossians 1.24, we now rejoice in sufferings. Wow. Paul said we rejoice in our sufferings. So for just a moment, I'd like to... Uh, I'd like to turn, and we looked at the why of Christian living. Let's define that. This verse showed us the why of Christian living. We looked at the what and the how, but the why of living in Christ is so that although the sufferings come and death isn't working us, life works in others. Life becomes apparent. The abundant life that God has brought through Christ becomes apparent, bringing him glory and encouraging others to acknowledge of Jesus Christ. So that becomes the why. We've answered the what, the how, and now the why. But taking the why a little deeper, I'd like to move to this partnering verse, Colossians chapter 1, verse 24. And what I'd like to do is just to underscore some words to better help you in the why of living in Christ by identifying with his death and with his life. Because this is why Paul said what he said in 2 Corinthians 4. The way that he could say, I do not faint. We faint not. is because Paul saw himself totally identified with Jesus in his death and in his life. So living in Christ is how you move past your discouragements. And I'd like to just share with you as we close the benediction to this sermon. This is the suitable benediction that will take you, I pray, with strength to move past your discouragements. I want, you, I want to underscore just different parts of this verse. This is a grand reminder and a great summary from another of Paul's writings. Colossians 1.24. Paul said, I rejoice in what was suffered for you and I fill up in my flesh what was lacking in regard to Christ's affliction for the sake of his body, which is the church. Let me just underscore some things in case you're wondering how living in Christ and identifying with his death and his sufferings can take you past discouragement. Well, first, let's underscore the word now. Underscoring this, Paul said, now I rejoice. Paul, Paul was writing this statement from prison. 
Paul was not on a mountaintop spiritual retreat. Paul was not even ministering to the people to whom he was writing. Paul was not enjoying the encounter that you and I are enjoying at this moment. Fellowship, learning, being encouraged. Paul was detained. And yet he said, now I rejoice at this moment. So realize this. Suffering, Paul wrote in the now of his suffering, does not limit your usefulness for the kingdom. Remember that. Suffering does not limit your usefulness for the kingdom. Now let's keep underscoring. Next let's underscore what Paul said in that moment. He said, I rejoice. How could Paul rejoice? Because in that moment he saw witness of how God was using the now of his life. Paul said, now in this prison, I rejoice. So suffering does not limit our usefulness. Suffering does not dictate our emotion. Did you know that? This is a hard one. Suffering does not dictate what type of emotional response I should make to life. Paul said, I rejoice in that while I'm facing this discouragement, this overwhelming difficulty, God is at work in me. It feels like death, but God is bringing life. So I will rejoice. Have you ever stopped to think in this moment of my disappointment, discouragement, and setback, God's going to glorify himself if I'll just stay faithful. Why should I not rejoice? So your sufferings do not dictate your usefulness. Your sufferings do not dictate your emotion. I'd like to underscore a couple more words for you in this amazing, amazing verse. Paul said, I rejoice in what was suffered. So this is what Paul emphasized here. I, I love this. Paul was never without purpose. Paul's suffering never, never discounted his purpose in life. Paul's rejoicing in what was suffered. What was suffered in his moment of ministry, he became pushed back. But Paul said, hey, I, I am suffering, and that is God's purpose for my life. At this moment, he was never outside of God's purpose. So suffering never limited the purpose of Paul's life either. Let us underscore uh, maybe two more phrases. Look at this next phrase. I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regards to Christ's affliction. Now, Paul is not saying that the sufferings of Christ were ineffective. In fact, not at all. Paul spoke uh, powerfully and demonstratively about the fullness of redemption that comes through the death of Christ on the cross. What Paul emphasized here is that I am still suffering in this life for the same purpose Christ suffered when he ministered on earth. There's almost a passing of the baton, if you will. Paul is writing, I'm continuing the work and ministry of Christ while fulfilling the very reason he suffered while he was here on earth. So Paul is not saying something's inadequate. Paul is saying, I'm continuing in the ministry. So Paul's suffering did not even limit his closeness with Christ and his calling and his his, his effectiveness in the kingdom work. Oh, I love that statement. And then a final phrase we underscore, for the sake of his body, which is the church. Paul wasn't meaning just the church at Corinth or the church at Colossae or the church at Philippi. Paul was speaking of the kingdom of Christ, the redeemed people of God, for the sake of the body, the church. Can you imagine that right where you are now, you would see an opportunity for Christ to be glorified and that you would rejoice because you know that even in your now, although very unpleasant, God's doing something powerful so that as you suffer, 
you're still fulfilling the purpose of God in your life. And you're filling up what is lacking, meaning you are continuing the ministry of Jesus, even in your suffering, so that the body of Christ is encouraged. Can you imagine that as you face your discouragement in the way that Jesus would desire you to face that discouragement, you can actually impact the movement forward of the body of Jesus. Or we can react in the flesh and possibly hinder some in their faith. Again, your choice. How will you move past your discouragement? I realize these were a lot of notes today, but I've been so excited to preach to you this part of 2 Corinthians chapter 4, moving beyond the faint heart. And the way that we can move beyond that faintness or that discouragement is to truly live in Christ. Identify with his death and his life as you resolve that your sufferings, your setbacks are nothing but a door for you to continue to glorify Jesus. So why would you allow your discouragement to depict who you are, what you say, what you do, how you feel? No, stay in Christ. See yourself identified with his death and his life, his whole ministry. He's at the right hand of the Father now, ever interceding for us. He'll return one day, but until then, let's live for him. And let's see that even in our sufferings and in our difficulties, Jesus Christ is made known. And for that, should we not rejoice. Father in heaven, thank you for this time of teaching. Thank you for those who are listening, tuning in. May you use this message in our hearts, not just for this moment, but for this moment forward. We pray this in Jesus' name. And together we said, amen. Hey, thanks for joining us. Uh, Please uh, join us on this website location right now. If you want to know more about what it means to know Jesus personally and to follow him, follower of Jesus, do not give in to your discouragement. And if you've never met Jesus, if you don't know him, there's no other relationship that would allow you to say, regardless of what's happening, I will still overcome. Only through knowing Jesus can that ever be someone's story. I pray that that is your story today. Thanks for being here. Love you a lot. Do not be discouraged. God bless.